Recorded live from the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York, welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. 214, 215, 216, and the number of the day is 217. 217, that seems remarkably random, Penny. It is, and it's more like 217 days, and it's just like the TV show our guest tonight is taking it one day at a time. Oh, that 217. That's right. It's, she has more sober days than uh, that show had episodes. Tonight, we raise our water bottles and toast Jen Wilgus and celebrate her 217th day of sobriety. Well, in that case, let's celebrate, and I'm a bit dehydrated, so the water is definitely a good call. After Amy hydrates herself and runs to the ladies' room, we'll be right back with Jen Wilgus. But first, the traditional music swell and fade out. Nicely done. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London. Because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. And tonight, our guest is Jen Wilgish. Uh, her and I became friends via, oh gosh, it's kind of an interesting story. It was through the old TV series when it was on NBC, The Biggest Loser. She actually started a blog called The Biggest Loser Blog. I, is that right, Jen? That's right. Okay, so memory real serves. Creative. Yeah, real creative, but we we used to be big fans of the show. We started, I think it was on Twitter, we started following and talking to each other. We've met in person a couple times with our with my family and with her husband. So, um, but one of the things is, you know, she started blogging about six, seven months ago about her experience and recovering from alcoholism or recovering alcoholic. I don't have much experience in this topic. I know I was commenting off air with um, Jen and Penny about how, you know, I, I just, I don't have much experience in this either as firsthand as being an alcoholic or living with an alcoholic. So, I'm really getting out of my expertise here, but I know this is a topic that is near and dear to a lot of people, and it affects a huge percentage of our population, even within the transgender and LGBTQ community. So 
Oh my gosh, I keep rambling. Penny. Yeah, help I me, know. Help me. Help well, me. I don't know if it's deer, but it certainly is near to so many people. It is a, they call it a family disease, and it affects so many people besides the alcoholic, or uh, as far as I'm concerned, any addict. But since this is a show where we're interviewing Jen, I would love to hear. You know, I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to call it a drunkalog, but uh, could you give us a a little bit of a of a story of how you got to where you are? Sure. Ladies, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Um, and Amy, um, you've, you've lived with children, so you have some experience with what it's like to live with an alcoholic and a recovering alcoholic because I've often likened this and I feel honestly like a child who's kind of been reborn and um, hasn't quite, I, I'm not sure what 270 217 days sober, which is just over seven months. You don't have to do math. Um, what that equates to in terms of growing up. Um, but, um, I don't really feel like I've even reached adolescence. (laughs) I I act out maybe like a, like a teenager sometimes. Um, because as I found, um, you know, I thought quitting drinking, I thought drinking was, you know, this big looming, you know, cloud in my life that once I cleared it, it was going to solve all my problems. Well, that's absolutely not the case. In fact, now I'm finding out just what problems I have. Um, but my drunk log starts, uh, gosh, I mean, I feel like I've been an addict my whole life. So 1978, Chicago, Illinois, well, it's actually Evanston, Illinois was where I was born, but I was born and raised in the Chicago area, the Northern suburbs. And, um, pretty much the the biggest goody two shoes you've ever, you know, heard of kind of out of a storybook. I didn't, uh, my parents didn't drink. They didn't smoke. Um, we grew up going to the Lutheran church, not that we were super religious, but just, I was not surrounded by any influence that to me was addiction. Um, I just, it all kind of came from being a really tightly wound firstborn type A person. Um, And I didn't even start drinking until, gosh, I mean, it was like the year before I became legal. It was in college. I didn't drink in high school. I didn't drink my freshman year. Um, I was an athlete. I was a good student, you know, kind of the big fish in the small pond um, until I got to college. And I was a walk-on on the Northwestern softball team. And then you know, shit kind of, oh, excuse me. I probably- No, 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 we dropped you. Here, (laughs) I'll say it too. Shit. You can say, (laughs) you can say whatever you want. Definitely not a family show. No, it isn't. Okay. Thanks. Because I I wasn't, I should have clarified that before. I'm kind of a potty mouth. Yeah, it's okay. Um, So let's go back. You, you were, uh, you were an athlete. You were uh, a walk-on on on the Northwestern softball team. Right. And um, I was extremely tightly wound and all of my self-worth and I didn't obviously realize this at the time but was sort of tied up in what I could achieve and I wanted nothing but to make my parents happy and proud nothing that they did actually um it was just all inside of me and so of course I didn't you know drinking smoking any going to parties like even dating like nothing I was going to touch nothing that was going to you know not be the the perfect little firstborn child blazing a trail for her younger sisters. Um, so I didn't touch alcohol until I was done with, um, done with sports. I ended up quitting the team because division one softball is a full-time job, my friends. And 
uh, I didn't want anything to, to be like the center of my life. I kind of like to do a lot of different things and was a journalism major, which I meant that I needed to start getting some actual journalism experience. So I started working for the newspaper at school, but I did develop. (laughs) So my first addiction was an eating disorder. And it was, it's funny when I think back, because when I quit the softball team, it was like, I had no identity up until that point. I was just, you know, I was the the top athlete in my high school, the top female athlete. And then what was I without that, you know, and journal being a journalism major, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. And so it was like this major identity crisis. And I don't, I, you know, I won't give you the whole long story about how I couldn't eat solid foods for four weeks because I had a broken jaw thanks to softball. And I lost weight and people were like, you look awesome. You know, even though I was, you know, like I couldn't eat. So that's why I lost the weight. And I was like, Oh, this is what I can be now. This is going to be my identity. I'm going to be really, really skinny. And so I don't want to give you the whole shebang, like, but that was kind of where the addictive personality, I know some people don't like that term, but I really feel I'm like perfectly it, fine with it. I'm perfectly, I mean, perfectly fine it, with that. Perfectly fine with process addictions. I, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that, that cover this, not just alcohol. So I'm glad you're covering this quite frankly. Oh, well, thanks. I mean, cause I, I really feel like I have been addicted to so many different things and alcohol just sort of became the thing I landed on because it was socially acceptable. And, um, the people around me were so, you know, who, I should say, since I now live in the Philadelphia area, the people around me became the person around me. And it was my husband who I met here. And he is such a nice guy, so loving that he didn't say, hey, you know what? You know, I'm kicking you out because you drink too much. So it it really... I, this, my alcohol addiction, and don't, please don't think I'm blaming on him. I'm just saying like we, we had our little codependent alcoholic relationship going for a really, really, really long time. Therefore I was able to keep on doing it and it keep on, uh, you know, it kept on getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But I've been, I mean, addicted to food, addicted to not eating food, um, addicted to it, you know, yeah, so many things. So you pre- you mentioned the word, I'm sorry, Amy, you mentioned the word codependent, which I'm not sure everybody understands what that word means. Can you give us your definition of what it means to you? Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. I have actually learned that codependent isn't what I thought it was. Most people just think it's the person who is married or dating uh, or, you know, closely surrounding the alcoholic or the addict. When really it's deriving yourself, your sense of self from how other people view you, which in that sense, I am also codependent. Um, so I don't know if that jives with how you viewed it, but my husband's definitely, he definitely fits that profile. And it's something that he's been growing up with his whole life, um, which I guess I have too, because I, you know, my self-worth was always what, Tell me, tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm important. Tell me that my life has meaning on this earth, basically. So that, that, that's very interesting. And, you know, one of the things I've always known about you since you and I have become friends over the last 10 years 
and you know we're not the best friends we live in separate par parts of the country but you know you are very competitive so how much has wrapped up in that as well since you're not involved with competitive sports anymore and i know you from a crossfit background as well and I would say you're one of the better CrossFitters. I mean, not games level, but for your average day in and day out CrossFitter, you're you're a strong person. So, I mean, how much of that is wrapped up in this as well? Well, so you've just brought up another addiction. Um, and, you know, <laughs> thank you for your compliment about CrossFit. I certainly am nowhere even close to sniffing games level. I just want to make that quite clear. But um, you're stronger I, than the average girl. Let's put it that well, way. I was, I, but I don't, I don't do CrossFit anymore. And that's, the, there's a reason for that too. Cause in recovery, I've realized I really needed to sort of take a step back from that. That competitiveness was always fueled by I'm not enough. I, no matter what I did, it just wasn't enough. No matter how much I drank, it wasn't enough. No matter how skinny I got, it wasn't enough. No matter how good I was for myself in terms of performing in CrossFit, because you know, it's a very competitive atmosphere. So that just sort of fed that, like, I got to, you know, that was good, but you can do more. That was, you look good, but you could look better. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, all that, yeah. all, to me, all that falls under the, the addiction of perfectionism. Yep. And that's, you, well, you hit it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is at its core, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And also in there, you know, CrossFit and that competitiveness also leads to injuries and pushing yourself. So, you know, I could also see where that, you know, alcohol can mask a lot of that too, because it numbs that pain. That's so funny you say that. Um, because I, I mean, boy, I, the height of my alcoholism was when, when I was doing CrossFit and um, it really, it masked everything, all the pain you can imagine, physical, mental, emotional. And that's why recovery, it's not for the faint of heart because you, you have to be able to feel those things, uh, and, and stay within your resolve that, you know, the substance isn't the answer to, to numbing that pain. Because I mean, we're talking 20 years of numbing everything right. with some kind of substance or, process as penny put it yeah um and yeah so you know i'm not anti-crossfit i do crossfit style workouts in my home gym but i don't need that i don't need that environment um right now and i'm not blaming the crossfit environment it's just me you know my i'm learning to just be like accept myself you know and i just that didn't doesn't seem like the right environment that's huge right. growth yeah. so uh, I have a two-part question. Do you believe in rock bottom? And uh, if not, what was it that drove you to recovery? That's a, I mean, these are all great questions. Um, I absolutely do believe in rock bottom, but it's so different for every single person. Everyone's, you know, transformation, as you ladies know, is is their own. And you cannot, you know, uh, paint with broad strokes when it comes to something like this. So my rock bottom does not look like others rock bottoms do. And it certainly doesn't look like your quote unquote stereotype in the sense that think a higher power. I did not get arrested. I did not, uh, drive drunk and kill someone. You didn't lose did a job. Not, um, I did not lose a job, but you know, there, but by the grace of God, um, I, I prop all of those things very, very easily could have happened to me. Um, and they didn't, 
I, I, my rock bottom is, is really kind of a strange story because I can't explain it. It was, it was a day just like any other. And it, I mean, I don't want to get too woo woo on, on you, but woo away. I'm no, a, I'm, no. I'm very big on woo. This is what the show's about. And honestly, I was not a person of faith uh, prior to going into recovery. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm ne- I'm never going to be a religious person. I can put that out there, but the only way I can de- can explain to you how I finally hit that rock bottom was divine intervention of some sort or whatever you want to call it, because it was a day just like any other. And I was going down doing the same things I always do, which is like start drinking at 10 AM at a one-year-old's birthday party. Um, and getting in, you know, getting in scrapes and being, you know, a bitch. And I just, you know, I was going to get in a fight with my mother, uh, another fight with my mother who doesn't drink. I, I mean, she has one sip of alcohol and she's flying. So she, but I just, it was just like, I always use the Shawshank quote, like get busy living or get busy dying. And it's something hit me where it was like, you can either continue to do the same ass shit that you've been doing Time after time after time, year after year after year, and your life is only going to get worse. It is never going to get better from this day forth. Or you can see how good your life can be. Now, there's no guarantees that you're going to, you know, whatever. There's no guarantees at all of what your life is going to become. But you will never find out if you can reach your potential as a person if you don't stop drinking. And I mean... There, there were many moments prior to this when I could have made that decision because I intellectually understood that that alcohol was the problem. Well, I mean, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Like, yeah, the biggest sick. the biggest travel distance of travel is from the head to the heart. Right, and and why it hit my heart that day, where I looked my mom in the face and for the first time I said out loud, "I know I have a problem, mom, and I know I need to quit." And the fact that I didn't cry saying that. <laughs> is <laughs> a miracle in itself. Um, but I, I, and I didn't quit that day. I didn't quit until a week later, but, you quit. Uh, but I quit and damn it. I'm not going back. Now you, you bring up your family and, you know, I was reading your blog and over the holidays, how supportive were they towards you and your recovery? Well, so that's, that's a really good thing to bring up because I have to say, that as resolved as I am, that this is the right thing, I would not be here. I wouldn't be here, period, if it wasn't for the support of my family. These, I mean, I, it still blows my mind. My husband doesn't drink anymore. I mean, he's not an alcoholic. He's not an addict of any sort. But I, he has not consumed a drop of alcohol around me. We don't have it in the house. My entire family, which, you know, there's, it's a small family, but nobody drank when I was home for Christmas. And we're talking like I wasn't even six months at that point, not like I'm so much longer, but nobody drank. We went out to dinner for an anniversary, a wedding anniversary. Nobody ordered alcohol. And it, w- it wasn't even, I didn't even talk to them about it because of course I'm not going to say, you, you know, everybody has to change their life because of me. I would not do that, but they did. And so, I mean. Were they, I, were they I, also I, like, I, I know that for, for a lot of people, when and when when there's somebody in recovery, they get handled with kid gloves. Yeah, uh, and, well, and and like so. Hi, Jen. How are you? Were they doing that? Did you allow that, or were they or were they like, yeah, Jen's going through some shit, and uh, you know, we're going to change our lives to help her go along. 
well, to be honest with you, they, um, I haven't lived in the state of Illinois since I graduated college. I mean, I, I pulled a geographic as we say in addiction, which I didn't know yeah. at the time, obviously right after college. So like, I've always sort of been like the pro, uh, the prodigal daughter returns in a way, but like, I also have to say they're used to me being really freaking weird. Like, I, I mean, like, I just am not like, I'm not a people person. I've always would like disappear and go do my own thing. Um, and I mean, we're not talking like I'm sneaking drinks. Like I drank outwardly in front of everybody. I didn't give an F what anybody thought, even though I was pretty much the only person in my family that drank like seriously. Um, but I would, I mean, they were used to me being like kind of a I mean, I love them dearly. And, uh, but when I would disappear or over the holidays or whatever, like they didn't think anything of it. And so, no, I wouldn't say that they were cheating with kid gloves, but the fact that they, they clearly made some kind of pact that they weren't going to drink around me is in a, in a, in a way, the kid gloves, but I, I can't tell you how grateful I was for that because this could be a very different story because let me just say that it's not even that I, I sit here wanting to drink all the time, but it's that I'm so uncomfortable. Like recovery, you you just feel uncomfortable a lot. And if they had been drinking around me, it's not like I would have been, oh, give me that and guzzled it down. But I would have been super antsy, anxious, just really having a miserable time. And they didn't do that to me. And I just, I'm, I'll be eternally grateful that that first Christmas went that way. Yeah. And I think the bigger thing there as well as, you know, the last time you and I met, we got together for lunch, you know, near your home. And, you know, one of the things that strikes me is I remember you grabbing a rum and Coke, you know, and I think it was like 1130 noon. It was, you know, and that was, there was probably two or three in, in our lunch here. So for me to hear this, is just so heartwarming. And, you know, talk about that support at home with, with your husband, because, you know, how much easier does that make it for you? And he's been this so accepting and loving. And, you know, do you think it's possible without his support even to be where you're at today, day 217 and counting? Absolutely not. It, it, like, I mean, obviously we can't play like what would be if, this wasn't the case because we don't know. But I mean, first of all, he didn't kick me out and leave me. And I mean, I uh, like addiction, as you as you know, even with a little bit of experience with it, is it's in selfishness is the defining characteristic. And I mean, I certainly fit that profile. And I mean, I it's like I did not care about anybody else but me and how I felt. And I was going to drink and nobody could tell me different. And my husband, you know, he would say like, you know, we need to, you need to think about what you're doing here. And like, like all the time and near the end, it was like constant. I mean, waking up next to him, I just, I, I dreaded what he was going to say. Cause I didn't even want to know what I had done or said the previous night. Um, and by the way, the best part of recovery by far is waking up and feeling free of, of that guilt and knowing that you didn't shit all over your significant other. Um, but my, I mean, my husband, I can't even, I don't even know how to put it into words, except to say that he is evidence to me that there is a higher power because I don't know what I, I didn't do anything to deserve the support that he's given me. I mean, I did the opposite. And here we are 
And like I said, he's a normie, as we say, and he doesn't drink around me. Like, and I can't, I mean, it's just mind blowing. And no, I would not be here. I probably would not be alive. Honestly. Yeah. Normies were as a phrase that, uh, that not everybody, again, cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hep to the lingo too, as, <laughs> as one might say, uh, to a recovery normie is, uh, as somebody who is not, is not, uh, uh, in, in recovery, basically, uh, I, I usually call them people. I usually call them Earth people myself because uh, <laughs> I often feel like I'm from a different planet than they are. And, and well, so, so do I because I can't moderate anything. I'm terrible. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 the personality of that. Yeah, one of the reasons why I know uh, so much about this uh, the, the the lingo is because um, I come from uh, generations of addiction. Quite frankly. Um, I, uh, my, like you, my parents really didn't drink all that much. Uh, and I didn't recognize that, but I, I married a, a woman who, uh, had problems with, uh, a lot of, a lot of substances. And, um, and so I ended up going into, uh, Al-Anon. And so that's why I know a lot about this. And a lot of times people, will, when I, when I start talking about this, they'll say, are you a friend of Bob's? And I'll say, no, but I know his wife. Um, yeah. And so, like yeah, well, it works. It, it's a great way of doing it. And it, it, it doesn't break anybody's anonymity, which is a very important thing. And I'm, I'm a little bit uneasy about talking about this because I don't want, luckily there's enough distance between me and my ex that I, I can feel like I can talk about this and, and talk about my, my perspective from this. Because once I got into recovery and I started um, working the program, and I started, you know, like the, the, you know, I, I have, we have like three books. We have one day at a time, uh, courage to change and hope for today. And hope for today is like the, it is for the uh, adult children of alcoholics basically. But I was reading that and I was like, it was making sense to me. And these things were like a lot of things that I was talking about were, were, um, were ringing true to me, but you know, my, my, my parents really were not heavy drinkers. I even asked my brother about this and he was like, no, they weren't. And then I realized that they didn't have the alcohol, but they had the isms. Uh, and um, my mother used to say that her father was a lush. And my father didn't say anything at all about his father, which I think is a signal as well. And um, so I, I realized that, um, you know, I, I may not be an ACOA, but I'm an ACOACOA, which is adult children of adult child of an, of an, of, of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, they, that's why they call it cunning, baffling, and powerful. I didn't know where it came from, uh, and yet it was still affecting me. Uh, uh, my Both of my grandfathers died when I was like eight years old. Um, we, gr- we grew up in Corning, and they were both from southwestern Pennsylvania, and my mom's dad died. My, 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 mother's gran- my, my grandfather on my mother's side died, and we went down to Western Pennsylvania for the funeral. And we were packed up and sitting in the car and they were saying their goodbyes when um, somebody called my dad at my uncle, my mother's brother's house. And he went into the house and came back and he said, my father just died. So they died, a, they, they died less than a week apart in uh-huh. 1964 or five or six. And so people that I, I, I barely knew um, are my qualifiers. You know, that's, that's how, that's how powerful this, this disease is and, and how much it can fuck people's lives up. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to get into recovery myself and I start recognizing the patterns in me. 
And, um, you know, you talk about perfectionism. I have it too, but I, I come from it the, uh, from the other side. You know, like you looked at things like, you know, I, I've got to, you know, I've got to work hard and I've got to be hard there. You know, I can't, I, I have to do everything perfectly. So I will never stop until I get things done. I come from exactly the opposite side, which is, um, there's only way I can be successful is I'm perfect. I will never be perfect. So why do I try anything? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a side that I'm coming from. And it's just as, it's just as debilitating as, as any other. And that's, it's just so, and I see so much of this in the world around me, um, uh, this, uh, what, what looks like addictive behavior and it, it makes my heart heavy to, to, to see it. So I, I love to talk to people who are in recovery and I'm really glad that we're talking with you. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Um, and, uh, likewise, huh. and I'm, I'm similar in the sense that I, you know, I obviously looked at my family history and thought where, you know, where did this come from? And, uh, I have found zero qualifiers or I have no clue. Um, cause according to my parents and everyone I've talked to, no one in my family has ever been an addict, which, you know, yeah. there's different generations. People didn't talk about things. And I, I, I'm you thinking know, about a river in Egypt right now. Well, right. And yeah. I mean, I'm not saying anything because it's, um, it's just, uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me yeah. though, because, um, the, I, I, I will say this, uh, forever. I'm, I've been blessed to be an alcoholic because if I wasn't, mm -hmm. um, I would never have, have the tools to change yeah, I'm and, the same and the way. awareness to change. I'm exactly the same way. Which, when you say that to people outside of the rooms, it's they they kind of look at you like a dog watching a car trick. You know, they have no idea what to make of it. Something's happening, but they don't know what. Yeah, um, I I'm still not very good at. I love my blog because it's obviously me sitting at my computer doing what I do, which is right. But um, in terms of like actually talking to normal people, and I don't mean to to make that sound like I'm a vilifying normal people i'm quite you know like everybody's got something but um I, i'm not really good at talking to people who don't understand what it's like uh, about this yeah. issue does that i don't know if that makes that sense that makes sense that's why I call, like, yeah, that's why i call them earth people because that way it's like normal abnormal out there that's just earth people that's that's my shorthand for it without i like doing, that better doing, I like a, that doing better. a judgment thing so yeah you can Free, you're free to use it. I didn't come up with it, so uh, share one, share share freely. So my my experience with alcoholism is not as close as yours, Jen's or Penny's for that matter. But but I see it more as a ripple effect, and you know, so me being involved in relationships with people who have been close to alcoholics and how that affects you know all aspects of their lives and how it generationally can play a role how you know with my ex we'd always talk with our children about you know you don't you know there is that genetic um, predisposition towards alcoholism on both sides um, fortunately you know my life I've avoided it but on my ex's side it's definitely there so we're we're having those conversations with my first ex-wife it was you know having that conversation about her family because it was there and she had very um 
very similar stories to what Penny just spoke about. And then as well with my girlfriend now, you know, how, you know, her ex-husband, you know, that alcoholism, you know, turned into rage, you know, I'm kind of bringing this back full circle, but do you, you know, but do you see those ripple effects now as you're in recovery and how that affected, you know, the loved ones near around you and you know, not even loved ones, but coworkers, friends, acquaintances, and everybody that you came in contact with? Well, I, first of all, have just discovered this whole new world um, through recovery of people um, who get it. And it's not just necessarily addicts. It's people who have been, like you said, touched by, um, relatives of theirs. Um, I don't want to talk too much about specifics cause I don't want anyone to listen to this and think I was tell- talking about them. Um, no, we but, don't want We don't want you to out anybody because believe right. us as transgender women, we know about being outed. <laughs> um, yeah. with, you know, and if I could say, like, I know that I'm not an um, anonymous in my blog and obviously here now I'm using my real name, my pictures all over my social media. And I talk a lot about this openly um, because I have seen through the Biggest Loser blog, for example, how the sharing your struggles and your story, regardless of what they might be, helps people. and. I'm not, I'm certainly not holding myself on up on any kind of pedestal. Like here I am helping people. I just know how this works. I've seen it in action, um, not just with me, but with others. And I know this wasn't really on your topic, Amy, but I, I, I want to say that, um, I, I think I've heard it referred to as recovering out loud. And I feel like if people know that, like, they're not alone, you know, it's such a cliche, but if you like, it makes it so it just opens up a whole window of like possibility when you know, like you're not sitting there by yourself, like you're not a weird one. You're not, you know, or the only one. Yeah. So I think that's a big reason for our podcast is to let people know they're not alone and everybody's life is an individual experience, but sharing is also giving. So, you know, I applaud you for that, Penny. Yeah. And that's, and then, yeah, I agree with that. And the other thing that I, that I I'm, I'm aware of that you're doing uh, is not, oh, look at me. I'm in, I'm sober and my life is great. It's like, look at me. This is really, really hard. And I'm struggling uh, minute by minute sometimes to keep myself sober. And there's a big well, difference between the two. Absolutely. And I mean, I have been very, at least tried very hard to say, this is my experience. I am not going to tell anybody else. This is how it is. This is how recovery is. This is my experience. And it's going to be different for everybody. But, you know, you brought up my, my latest blog. I wrote about how I've discovered these anger issues. Like I have like really bad road rage problems. And, um, I, it's, well, you do live in Philadelphia. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't isn't it like, isn't it like welcome to Philadelphia? Make sure you're angry. I mean, you guys booed Santa Claus. Now, don't call it you guys. You're gonna get <laughs> She's on from my nerves. Chicago. I am a tried, like a born and raised Chicagoan. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Ah. Bears, Blackhawks, Bulls. I, I am not. I mean, I love where I live, but I am not a Philadelphia. How do you survive in that uh, in that in that atmosphere? Well, I mean, if you want to talk about sports, like because I'm. Uh, you know, still a pretty big sports fan. I mean, I've, I've seen 
what happens. But you know, I will, I always say fans are assholes everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Philly, but Philly, you know, they, they don't want people to talk shit about them, but they are so proud of their reputation. So I'm like, you can't have it both ways. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Pirates fan and I'm, and I like, Uh and and Steelers. So uh, like Southwestern Pennsylvania, like I said, you know, I, but I've, I've come to it honestly, you know, my first year of uh, being a football fan was 1969 when I followed the Pittsburgh Steelers and they were one and 13 under Chuck Knoll. (laughs) <laughs> and, and and their starting quarterback's name was Don Clendenden. No, no, Don Clendenden played <laughs> played baseball for the Mets and the Pirates. No, the starting, <laughs> the starting. And I had a crush on Don Clendenden when I was nine years old, and I, no one else knew that. Um, no, my my the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1969 was Dick Shiner. Ooh, that's his name. Dick, like, not just a name, a hobby. But oh um, my gosh. stop. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I know what that's like to to like be a be, to, to be an outsider in in that area. So I applaud you for maintaining your loyalties. Yeah, um, I have my my first Cubs Phillies game without alcohol was a big milestone, and. I got told I got told fuck you to my face by a Philly fan that day. So you know it was a it was a perfect experience. Yeah, are, are you rec- was that are baseball games or sporting events triggers for you? Uh, or, or oh my or- gosh, absolutely. Well, pretty much everything is a trigger <laughs> for me. I mean, ten o'clock like, trigger. I so I have to say like in total honesty, like I never drank before work. Like I was not, and I didn't, I didn't drive around with open containers. Like those, that's where I drew the line. But like all bets were off if I didn't have to work. I mean, it was just like off to the races and I love sporting events and any opportunity to let loose of which obviously going to a game when I, when I, um, had stopped being a sports journalist. So I was no longer working at the game. I was there as a fan. It was like tail, uh, pre-party, drink as much as I could at the game. Um, and they're absolutely triggers. But like I said, it, you know, it didn't take much. So you're a big Cubs fan and just the timing of this. And I know you're at game seven in Cleveland when the Cubs won the world series. Now, is that a vivid memory or is that more of trying to work through it because of the game and you're probably drinking that entire game? You know what? Uh, interestingly enough, so one thing that addicts sometimes do, I know I did, was believe to themselves that they could learn moderation, even though they've never moderated anything in their entire life, but you're going to learn how to moderate alcohol. So game seven of the World Series in 2016 just happened to be at the tail end of one of my sober October experiments. Hmm. Therefore, hmm. even though the game took place in November, I, you know, because guess what? You don't drink alcohol for a month. You feel awesome. Um, so I didn't want to drink. I I just, I said, I'm going to have one drink at game seven of the world series. So Amy, that's a really good question. I remember every second of that game. In fact, the, the one drink I bought, I was so excited because Dexter Fowler hit a, um, lead off home run i chest bumped somebody next to me and half of this red's apple ale that i was drinking spilled all (laughs) over the place so i really had half a drink and i remember seeing people stumbling around because we were way up in the upper deck i mean we had nosebleed seats uh thinking oh 
you know, judgmentally looking down from my high horse because I really had earned that. Um, those people aren't going to remember this game because they're all drunk and look at me, you know. Of course, spoiler, uh, mod- quitting or not drinking for a month does not help you learn moderation. And in fact, you go right back to the way you were. And because it's a progressive disease, if you want to refer to it as such, you get worse. So, but I remember game seven is the moral of that story. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. Well, I am I am thrilled that you remember that because you're such a huge Cubs fan and yeah. and so is your hubby. So I'm I'm glad that you both can enjoy that and have that memory. And I got um so I got a tattoo. I have one tattoo and Ooh. it was it's the W flag that they fly at Wrigley Field. And the story there is I'm deathly afraid of needles, but I said, you know, because remember there was a hundred plus year drought that the Cubs were working on. I said, if the Cubs ever win the world series, I'm going to get a tattoo thinking it would never happen. And I would never have to confront this, but it (laughs) happened and I got the tattoo. And so I feel like now I'm itching and I might do something when I hit a year sober, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So you're, so you're, you're going to, you're going to ink yourself up again. Well, so yeah, that's a whole nother topic. I don't want to like go off on a tangent because I'm starting to think, okay, where's going to be the least painful place that's going to also be symmetrical with what I have going on right now, because it's on, it's on the back of one of my shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, my W flag. Cause I, you know, I'm that's still a lot of, angry. that's a lot of bone up there that I have one on my right shoulder and that hurts. So, so yeah, when they were shading up near that bone, that's that was the hard part. But my husband sat there and held my hand the entire time. Yeah. So I made it through. But anyway, we'll have to uh, shop around. I well, think some, some kind of tree or some kind of nature type tattoo, but we'll see. That's yeah. a wonderful idea. Well, I've gotten three in the last year or so. They're, yeah. they're addicting, so I love them now. Yeah, well, yeah definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it, but I just have to find a spot on the body. I I have, I have no desire to get a tattoo (laughs) mostly because I cannot think of anything that I would want to see on my body for the rest of my life. Well, then you're smart. I mean, for me, this was a no brainer. I mean, the W flag is an iconic symbol and for you, it's perfect. Well, the, the, the closest I came was in the, um, in the early 1980s, I was, very close to getting, and this is a true thing, a uh, a tomato in a bikini in a hammock on my uh, on my bicep, which would really not go with my look right now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that I didn't do that. A tomato in a bikini in a hammock. Yes, it, it's uh, if you ever heard of a band called Little Feet, uh, there's a they they did an album F E A T right F E A T yes they did an album called Waiting for Columbus which was like a phenomenal live album one of the best live albums I've ever listened to and um, the on the cover of that is a tomato in a bikini okay. gotcha. in a hammock uh, yeah it was it was drawn by a guy by the name of Neon Park. So like I'm in my I'm in my musical wheelhouse right now. So I want to get out of that. One of the things that I was thinking about here, uh, you two are friends, but not close friends. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't say yeah, but you're friends. You guys have like met each hey, other. You remembered I had a rum and coke. Yeah, yeah you all right, all right. Yeah, this right. is this is my point. You guys met each other, and yeah. who has changed more since that <laughs> meeting? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> is the question that I want to figure out here. It's not really a question. We've, we've, both, we've both come to our own. It's not a competition. Of... It's just a question. Well, I, I, I would definitely vote for your partner there. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's pretty <laughs> I mean, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And congratulations. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I'm just so happy to see people. Living their yeah. authentic lives. Yes, exactly. More people Welcome. need to be like you. That's that's what that's allyship right there. Well, and I'm you, so glad to hear you say that. And and I think and I think transition has a lot of overlap with um, addiction recovery. And so you know one of the things that I look back at, and I'm I'm not overly familiar with you know the twelve step program, but you know making amends. You know I had a my first ex reached out to me, and you know she. She was like, congratulations on your coming out. I'm not surprised, but, you know, I felt the need just to apologize at some level because I knew that I had this in my background even back in the mid-90s. So, you know, there, there are things that you look back on in your life that make a whole lot more sense now that you are living your true self and in your situation with your sobriety, I'm, I'm sure that you look back on things and things you look at things a little bit differently and through a new lens. So, you know, I admire you for taking that step in your life and, you know, and with your husband as well, you know, please say hello to him on my behalf, but, you know, for him sticking with you too, because that takes a lot of courage, you know, because you're a new person to him, I would imagine, you know, 217 days later than what you were, you know, when, before you started this process. That's actually a really, I mean, I shouldn't say actually, I, you, you've made all good points, but that's a really good point because I can't stress enough that just putting down the drink is only the beginning. It is a very, um, uh, you, it's almost rougher in the early, it, at least in our experience, it, it has been because like I said, I am, you know, not, I'm not that easy to live with now many days. Um, pretty much all I do is sleep and go to work and go to meetings. Um, and I've had to say to my husband, like, I don't feel comfortable going out to dinner with your family. I don't want to go out to dinner ever again. I actually said that because that restaurants are a huge trigger. I like literally could not remember the last time I did not order an alcoholic drink when I was so out. So you've never gone to a restaurant sober? This, since you since your since your recovery started, so I have. But I literally the first time I did, I'm not, and I'm not making light of anxiety because I have anxiety. Um, I had a, I basically had what's close to a panic attack, the closest I've ever been. Like I was freaking out, and it's just shit like that. Like I mean, I couldn't explain it, and you can't explain it to other people. No, you, you are, you're just having what you're you're having an experience that you've never had before and you don't know how to control yourself. And like I said, it's like, it's like a child. It's it. And my husband has had to deal with this. Um, not, you know, it's uncharted territory for both of us. So that's a really good point, Amy, that, um, you know, recovery ain't no picnic for either person in or either family. Um, and it, it, it takes courage on both sides. Yeah, sure. I, I often say that addiction uh, kills the person that was before because you're once once you're once you cross over and are no longer in control of yourself uh, that that you 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 know and you you know this they they say that everything that you hold dear you will sacrifice for the bottle uh, if, if, if you need be and I, I came from a my 
my marriage came crashing down uh, because of it. I, I, there was literally, I was left at the, uh, at the turn of the century here. I was left with a, um, a car, a couch, three cats and two kids. And that was literally all that I had left of my life before. Um, and I'm grateful for that because the life that I had before was, was not all that good. And I was able to rebuild into something else. And I, I would not have transitioned had I not been in this session because I basically started, you know, peeling away layer and layer and layer of bullshit in my own life. And I was, I would say that I wanted to be the, the healthiest, most accepting, non-privileged, masculine man I could be. Um, and that's not what happened. Because I would also say, I want my outsides to match my insides. And this was what was inside. And so that's what came out. And that was just because of being rigorous with my, with, with a, with a program. So it's, 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 I'm not the person that I was before this. And, and I yeah, it really, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not even sure I have an answer to that question for, for myself, who I am. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. Which, yeah, but yeah. I'm excited to find out, which I would not have said prior to quitting drinking, because I really just thought all I wanted to do every free moment was drink. So. Yeah, and I, you know, you, you and Penny are bringing up some great points, and I share this story with permission from my girlfriend. Is you know, you know, when her ex quit drinking, you know, the 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 other issues and we're bringing this back to where we started. So it's a good place to wrap up is, you know, those other issues were still there. They didn't go away and they come up and you start dealing with other things. And, you know, so, you know, when he quit drinking, he actually became more of an asshole because the alcohol wasn't there to subdue that. So, it, you know, there, these are different issues and, you know, and I'll bring this back to the comparison because, you know, this show is hosted by two fabulous transgender women. Well, so yeah, who? I don't know, but okay. we'll, when, we, when we get their names, we'll, I'll okay, let you know. Okay, thank you. Okay, so, <laughs> so what, you know, so, but transition, even though, you know, we, we transition and our lives, you know, they are wonderful. We're living our true lives, but you know what? We have other issues now that pop up. So, you know, but this is kind of like life, your, your life continues on, but now you're dealing with new issues and that's the way life works. You deal with issues and you move forward and without, and being able to do this as your true authentic self without alcohol is a wonderful blessing that you're giving to yourself and as well as to your family around you. So I applaud you, Jen, and Penny's going to put some wonderful soundtrack applause stuff in here right now. So, okay. All right. That's what I do. Well said. Thank you. And then that's the thing about it you, you're actually able to deal you you see more problems but you're able to deal with them better because hopefully. you're actually doing it so <laughs> sober so so jen uh jen wilgus i did i say that right you did Yay! Yay! penny I'm, the name expert i am it was it's been lovely i'm, I'm so glad we had you a chance only to butchered try. it like twice tonight yeah That's twice but that, luckily i wasn't <laughs> recording and you know i and, and, and so no one would have known had you not said that so you know thanks for opening that wound up and putting lemon juice on it yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. It's I don't okay. mind. I pour salt in her wounds. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm a bicyclist, so I, I am pretty, in, I, I, I'm recognized pain all the time. So, but thank you so much for being here. And uh, if, if, if you would like to plug your blog, could you tell people how to get to it? Oh, sure. And thank you. It really was my um, honor to be here. Ah. Um, my blog is Jen Wilgus Journalism. <laughs> and uh hopefully uh, 
I don't know. I'm not going to spell it out. Jen Wilgus Journalism um, dot blog. We can we can put a link somewhere on some social yeah, media for people you. People will misspell my name as you got as you know. Yeah. Also. <laughs> Jen Wilgus, thank you so much for being on thank Transformation you. Thursday. Maybe we'll maybe we'll check in with you in a year and see how you're doing. Oh, thanks. Good. See what hat I got. Yeah, perfect. See how many <laughs> coins you have there. Yep. All right. Thank you very much, Jen. And we'll be back with a quick wrap up uh, in just a few minutes. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i am amy stevens and my pronouns are she her and i am penny sterling and my pronouns are she her as well and that was another fantastic interview, Penny. I must say, I you know, I come into these interviews with these expectations that are like, hey, if we get something down and, you know, that last half hour, I'd be happy with it. But, you know, we continually um, produce these beautiful long form interviews that are about an hour. And I just walk away almost every week going, wow. Yeah, we pick good. We pick good people. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in the rooms, they say what they say about expectations is expectations are premeditated disappointments. That's why I keep them low. That's right. <laughs> Especially with my co-host. I mean, oh, no, no, thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. I can do some interesting things to your voice when I when I do some post-production here, Amy. But what did you <laughs> what was your what was your takeaway from this? You know, I, I brought this up in the interview and I, you know, you know, and this is the first thought that comes to mind when you ask that question is, you know, this is a generational disease. And even though I don't have the firsthand experience in my nuclear family growing up or in my relationships, you know, as an adult, but yet I have married two women that have had parents or, you know, significant others close to them with um, alcoholism. And then even now my, you know, my third significant other in my adult life here, you know, she has had an ex-husband and we're still dealing with those issues. And so this is generational. You know, I warn my kids about, you know, don't drink too much. Be careful about drugs and alcohol because we don't, you don't know if you have this addiction in you, especially with something like alcoholism, because as Jen mentioned, and as, as we all know, you know, alcoholism is a progressive thing. You think you can manage this, but maybe three, four decades later, yeah. All of a sudden, you don't have a liver. Yeah, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful is what is the is the phrase that is oftentimes used. And I think one of the things that we should do, Amy, is in our in, in uh, we should include links to both um, AA and Al-Anon in the uh, in in our uh, in our in our uh, when we post this. Because, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, because this might be triggering some things in some people that they're thinking about. And if you want to send us a message, uh, if you want some more information about this or somebody to uh, help you decompress from yourself, we would be we'd be very happy to talk to you, or at least I would be, to, to send messages back and forth to, to help you out if need be. 
that is a very generous offer, Penny, and, well, and I thank you for that. And We've you know, all been there. Well, I've been there, and so I know how bad it is. Well, and I think, you know, bringing this back to the LGBTQ perspective as well, you know, not only within the transgender community, but all throughout, you know, the acronym, there are tons, you know, alcoholism and drug abuse runs very deep within these communities because we've dealt with years of being shunned or being worried about coming out or whatever. So, you know, we want to provide this as a service for everybody to say, you know, alcoholism is a societal thing. And so it's something that, you know, don't be ashamed of it. Deal with it, you know, and if it, Deal with it like you've dealt with other things in your life. You know, get the help that you need. All right. So that's it for this episode of Transformation Thursday. If you would like to help us out sometime, you can go over to uh, transformationthursday.com. And uh, if you want to become a patron, there's a link to our Patreon page there. Yeah, no, actually, once you get to TransformationThursday.com, it brings you to our Patreon page. And if you look in that upper right corner there, there's a little button that says become a patron. So support us. We, we would thank you and love you eternally. Yeah, and we'll love you whether, we, whether you do or not, but we'll love you extra special. But just more. like religion, my love is... No, I'll conditional. Love you too, you know? <laughs> You've got conditional love hanging out over there. <laughs> yeah, all right. So no, it's not. We we love you anyhow, and we, we love, love you it. all. We'd love support. So we. This is going to be it for this this episode. So uh, have a great night, Amy. Have a good night, Penny. Bye.